Welcome to Liberty Monks Podcast. James Mundy here with Mike Mundy. How you doing tonight, brother Mike? As usual, ready for some fun, my brother. How you doing? Good, man. It's great to be with you. Um, we just did episode 100 last week, and um, that was a ton of fun. And uh, it's it's up on Rumble, folks. It's up on some other platforms, but it's not uh, currently. Uh, it probably will be by the time you hear this, but uh, we've had some technological difficulties with Spotify. So anyway, um, that's some housekeeping for our latest episode with Clay Clark and Aaron Antis. You can catch that on Rumble, BitChute. Uh, it'll be on Spotify soon and likely will be when you hear this. Um, but we have an awesome opportunity tonight. Uh, we we don't uh, interview a ton of fiction authors, historical, I would say, his, I, what, did, what, did, uh, what did Chris call it? Faction? Faction, right? yeah. yeah. But historical fiction and, you know, the more and more you and I talk about this, I almost think this is the best way to get people to lower their defenses in order to learn about something that might not be in their wheelhouse. Does that make sense? Like, you know, you know how it is, man, when you when you talk about current events, you know, you have people that get really upset sometimes when you mention certain things and um, but when but when it's not like so much, hey, this is a fact and you should believe it. I don't know. It makes people start to think a little bit more like, oh, man, maybe that could happen. Or maybe maybe I start paying attention to more things because that kind of hit a nerve with me. You know, because we, you know, I've talked about that at length. Yeah, you get them involved in a story and before they know it, they've learned something. Exactly. Exactly. So tonight we have an awesome opportunity um, to interview somebody who is a number one bestselling author uh, and actually born and raised in a town just south of where you and I grew up near the D of Detroit, Michigan in Wyandotte. But tonight we have Joseph M. Leonard, um, like I said, best-selling author, born and raised in Michigan, former IT professional, political issues blogger, vlogger, speaker. He is the host of the Christitutionalist podcast, which is very, very cool. Uh, he was telling us about that in pre-show. Uh, he's a constitutional conservative, and his number one best-selling historical fiction novel, or faction novel, Terror Strikes, has been compared to the sum of all fears and deep impact. So some pretty heavy hitting stuff. And whether you are a staunch conservative, whether you're uh, someone who's in the prepper community, whether you, uh, you're, you know, starting to wake up to the reality of things that are going on right now in America and around the world, terror strikes answers a lot of those questions you have regarding like things like terrorism and foreign, you know, both foreign and domestic. And I want to say that again, foreign and domestic terrorism, because we are absolutely you know, in a world where we need to be aware of what, what those two are and uh, and what the threat is. And um, in, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, it's, it's an awesome reading experience as well. So uh, we're very, very honored to have you in virtual studio. Joseph M. Leonard, welcome to Liberty Monks, brother. Thank you. Thank you. And for the benefit of the audience, if you're hearing audio only, you don't see the backdrop. It's Joseph M. Leonard. It looks like Leonard. It's not French. It's Leonard without an O. And yes, there is a Joseph Leonard in South Carolina. So, yeah, I've got to use my middle initial to differentiate Joseph M. Leonard. And I, I, had, I was laughing. You said your mm -hmm. 100th episode. Yeah, I, I pronounce it Christitutionalist, kind of like Christos Mas. There we go. Okay. No X. Christitutionalist politics. I just dropped my 15th episode on September 30th. It drops every Saturday via Buzzsprout and yeah, you know, it nice. goes out to 15 different platforms. But yeah, I I, I aspire to 100. I'm only at 15. 
Well, hey, man, keep it, keep plowing ahead. Before you know it, uh, before you know it, you reach that mark, and then before you know it, you've you know you've, you've excelled and in, in, in surpassed it. So, well, it's great to have you on, and it's awesome to talk to somebody who's a who's a, a local Michiganian like like Mike and I. Uh, even though Mike lives in Florida, his roots are in Michigan. They always will be. So, I'm glad <laughs> you said michiganian oh yeah uh it's michiganian that's correct i forget the person who actually coined that originally uh but yeah a lot of people like michigander uh no Mm. we're human we're not geese right that's right (laughs) that's right well it's refreshing to hear somebody who knows the difference and somebody who knows what michiganian really truly means and uh you know, we won't get on a rabbit trail with that necessarily, but it's it, it's a it's a significant difference. And if you don't know, look into that. Look into Michiganian and what that really means, because it's it, it's something that might take it to a place where you're gonna learn some things. So, well, it's great to have you on, man. Um, and I'll tell you what. Um, like I said, we we just had uh, an interview uh, a couple of interviews ago with uh, somebody who wrote uh, a faction novel. You know this fiction novel but with historical significance based on things that either could or have happened and um we were fascinated to learn about you and fascinated to learn about your book and we'd love to hear about a lot of things tonight because obviously somebody like you who's out in the political sphere and you're you're active and you're writing books and you're out meeting with people you're you're more aware of what's going on than perhaps some other people might be because just simply because that's the world you're in and you're writing about things that you dream about and see and we're we're looking forward to learning about that. So give us give us the rundown. You know your your website mentions that Terror Strikes is not your ordinary book. Um, so what what do you what do you mean by that when it's not your ordinary book? Yeah, like I say, uh, historical fiction. And I don't know if I beat her to the punch, but I've been using the word faction for like a decade. Oh, there we go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and use that hashtag all the time because, yeah, part fact, part fiction. Mm-hmm. It weaves together a better tale that way. Uh, and at the same time, it educates people into things they may not be aware of. Now, obviously, yes, it's a book on terrorism. But not a book about death, but life and living. Life over death, hope over fear, faith over despair, love over hate, good over evil, individualism over collectivism, freedom over tyranny, family and friends, life. It's a book of life. And it is about Martin, who is a Detroit newspaper man, although this is an international book, there is a chapter on Toronto, London, England, Madrid, Spain, and Tokyo, Japan. But Martin, a Detroit newspaper man, who decides to write a book on terrorism. So, you know, book in a book, hmm. eh, been there, done that, right? That's an old, old way of doing things. So, yeah, it's a book within a book, but it's like none other you've ever seen because, and publishers don't like cutting edge. You know, they like tried and true, but I'm a former IT guy, as I think you mentioned at the top. Yep. So I introduce a blog within a book. So Martin has a blog on 9-11. He wrote, it's actually my blog that I repurposed for my character that he wrote in 2003 looking back on 9-11 and then now writing his book now 
looking back at that blog, well, what's changed? What do we know now? What do I feel and think now as opposed to the thoughts I put in print then? So, you know, it provides differing perspective from the same individual in a sense. So blog in a book, as far as we know, the publisher thinks no one has ever done that before. So that makes it indeed very different. And uh, yeah, again, historical fiction. So education in our nation is so poor. Uh, there are so many things that need to go into that people don't either never learned or don't remember that then sets up the fiction parts and the fiction, you know, dangles off uh, the history part. And like I say on my terrorstrikes.info website, uh, it's controversial. It's not 9-11 truther because if I went down that road, uh, to be honest, to have an honest book on terrorism, I have to mention 9-11 trutherism, of course. Yeah. But if the book were to, you know, hang its hat on that, uh, it would be dismissed as like an Alex Jones fanboy book, right? So I don't really go down that road and false flags too much. Again, honest-wise, you have to mention those as possibilities, like World War II. How did we really get into World War II? We embargoed oil from Japan, goading them into the Pearl Harbor attack. And did we really purposefully cluster our ships and planes to further goad them into attacking us? Now, that's not a false flag, but mm -hmm. that's, you know, government behind the scenes uh, trying to set a situation so that something happens so that they can then react to it. So the book is controversial. It's meant to be upsetting, meant to make everyone think, to challenge one's own and others' intentions, motives, own morality, and mortality. So again, though, yes, about terrorism. It's not a Rambo, shoot them up, blood and guts everywhere. It's a for all ages book. Uh, the word damn appears in it like twice. No other, you know, harsh words per se. Yep. Uh, so that you can put this book in the hands of a high schooler or a junior high schooler to help educate them on things as to the way things are, things they're not learning in school. So as it pertains to that, when you get, when you get people um, that want to read your book, uh, what are you, what are you hoping that, that, that most readers get out of it? What, what is it that you want to educate them about? Well, yeah, like I say, uh, I, I have it written down, so I never forget it. Mm -hmm. I won't read that whole thing again about hope over fear faith over despair, right? Yep. I, I'm not writing a fear porn book, just the opposite. You know, uh, you get fear porn on your nightly news every day. <laughs> I'm trying to teach and preach hope. And, and uh, although hope is not a strategy, I'm also like mm -hmm. in the Naperville chapter, 
Teresa discovers she's more of an ostrich than the mama bear she need be for her young girl, Cammy. Uh, I don't want to give away big spoilers. Sure, but sure. She, you know, she, she thought she was awake. She thought she was somewhat aware, but then reality came crashing down around her. So I don't want anyone to live in fear or be paranoid, but at the same time, I don't want people to be stupid, right? Mm -hmm. A certain degree of situational awareness. And when I say that, I don't mean you go to the local diner and you're the paranoid guy in the corner with his back to the wall, so the doors are all in front of him and he can see everything. I'm, you know, I'm not talking that degree of situation or awareness, but at least aware that things can happen. Not just terrorism, but crime in general. Look at it on the rise all over because we're not putting criminals away. So they're right back on the street committing more crimes. And those on the fringe are saying, uh, if they're getting away with it, why shouldn't I go ahead right. and do it and get away with it? So the crime is growing exponentially. That is a threat. I just want people to be aware and not be an ostrich, right? Just because an ostrich wanders onto the train tracks. Here's a noise, the whistle. Buries its head beneath the tracks, mm-hmm. between the tracks isn't going to stop it from being bowled over and splattered three sheets to the wind by the train when it hits it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, well, so in your, so in your book, um, you, you depict this situ- the, all, the, all these situations, and these situations are going to help people you know, maybe in real life, they're going to look at things differently, right? They're going to discern differently. They're going to be more aware differently. And again, you're, you're selling more, which is great. I love hearing that you're trying to be hopeful and you're trying to bring love and, and all this stuff into it. Because you are, you're all right. The propaganda, the fear propaganda is so thick and it's everywhere. I mean, it is, it's rampant and it's not. And I know that in the truth community, I know that it's really, really aimed towards the mainstream media. But to your point, there, there, you know, there has there's there's always going to be both sides of fear porn, right? Even on the other side, there's people that are exploiting fear to get people to do things and for personal gain and so on and so forth. And it's it's hard to tell the difference sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I just recorded uh, uh, Christitutionalist Politics episodes twenty two and twenty three mm-hmm. coming in November. They are meant to be in conjunction with thelibertybeacon.com. I write articles every Saturday for them, and I've got two pieces that'll come out in in July, mm-hmm. <laughs> November. I mean, called Gray Area, you know, Gray Areas sure. and Gray Areas Part Two, because nothing is usually black white, nothing is usually completely right or wrong or good or evil. And there's lots of gray areas, and the evil always tries to exploit the gray areas. Certainly does. And, um, you know, so I guess with, with that, um, when, you, when you are out and about and you're watching people now, because you probably see the world a little differently since you wrote this, um, 
you know, I think going through that process, you know, and tell me if I'm wrong, but probably even opened your eyes to things that you didn't think about. Um, would that, would that be accurate? Just did this make you more aware by writing through these scenarios? And then how does that translate into when you have the opportunity to talk to people? Cause like we talked about before, even in pre-show, you say certain things to people and they just shut right down. Have you noticed that you're able to communicate differently to folks and bring more awareness to them without giving them that shutdown language? Right. We, yeah, we discussed ahead, right? Uh, if you're not going to get them to be able to believe some things that are even evidenced through Google, I, I don't like Google, Google right. censors. You can't find my articles on Google. They're suppressed. DuckDuckGo, Jibberoo, or Freespoke, mm -hmm. you'll find them. Now, they don't censor my book on Google because it's not about me. If they could, they would. My book's on Amazon. They right. don't dare mess with Amazon's profits. Amazon gives Google a lot of ad revenue. But if you can't get them to believe something that, like the Charlottesville lie, all right, Trump, find people on both sides. There are still people out there that won't look at the actual DOJ presser that you can still find on YouTube of all places. It hasn't been scrubbed. I thought it'd only be available on like Rumble or Brighteon, but go to the DOJ presser with Donald Trump Charlottesville comments. Find that, mm -hmm. listen to the whole thing. There's still people who buy into the, he's talking about neo-Nazis. Right, <laughs> He is. condemns them three, four times. He's talking about people on the issue of statues and the necessity to learn from them, not tear them down like the Soviets did, like the Taliban does. You right. learn things. Mm -hmm from those things. It's an educational talking point. They're beneficial, but the left wants to bury it all. But I want, most of my writings come to me in a dream. Uh, mm -hmm. Terror strikes coming soon to you. This goes to the seeing things differently. And red pill strategy, right? Some people are maybe starting to lick the red pill, but you don't jump into false flag operations with someone who's just starting to lick the red pill. They're only going to roll their eyes and walk away from you. Right. You accomplish nothing. You solve nothing. So you've got to stick with easily evidenced things. And once they take the red pill, go down those other rabbit holes that are more complicated and more complex. But terror strikes coming soon to a city near you, like most of my writings, came to me in a dream in 2006. And so, yeah, I started researching it. I wrote it. I had a beginning, a middle, and an end, but something was still missing. So I put it aside. And 15 years later, <laughs> the dream came back because I thought I'd pick the book up after six months or a year. But I kind of set it off to the side and forgot about it. Went on to other projects. And the dream came back in 2021. And it's like the light bulb. Wuhan hysteria. Yeah. People are getting that fear porn. 
24-7. They don't see terrorism at all on the news, right? And it's not like the terrorists took their AK-47s and turned them into plowshares. They didn't go anywhere. It's still going on. You're just not hearing about it. And it's not just a 9-11 thing. Like I, there's a chapter on Toronto, London, England, Madrid, Spain, Tokyo, Japan. But those are all, you know, big events. Sure. The point of my subtitle, coming soon, it's still happening. It can happen any minute now. Today, tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, it, to a city near you because they're looking for smaller, softer targets. Death by a thousand cuts. Things that then don't make the national news. Right. And, you know, that death by a thousand cuts. Most people understand that term. Yeah, you're, you know, it's interesting you say that <clears throat> because people do oftentimes look for the big catastrophic event to be something that draws in their concern or draws in their attention or whatever. But to your point, stuff is happening all over the place. I mean, we have a, we have a Swiss cheese border right now. And I don't, I don't know how much time you spend looking at that or discussing that, but it's literally Swiss cheese. There's people pouring across it. We've talked to people that are on border control. We've talked to people that process them. They process them through like TSA agents, 1500 at a time, give them, 2200 bucks and a cell phone and papers and some of these people are getting monthly stipends every single month 2200 bucks a month and you know you look at what's going on in maui what did what did we give them people 700 dollars, a one-time deal and you're seeing so you're seeing a lot of this stuff happening unfolding and actually mike just showed me something he sent me a video it was a uh, local here in michigan this is in oakland county it was sheriff burchard i don't know uh, joseph if you saw this or not yeah i but he's, know what you're talking about but he's talking about how you know you know yeah we have a there's a border issue clearly in this country and you would think that most of the things that might be happening associated with that are going to be near the border or in southern states well we have other borders too that that neighbor you know obviously canada and also we have an issue evidently in oakland county right now that the sheriff bouchard is bringing to the public where you have gangs from south america that are surfacing in michigan and robbing homes you saw this yes yes and yeah about the border i have uh jj carroll a retired customs border patrol agent Mm -hmm. uh, who's also an author of a book called In They Did uh, that just came out. I have him on my CTP show coming October 21st, episode 18. And we talk, the open border is not just an immigration issue, it's a security issue. We've yeah. caught thousands of people on the terror watch list from dozens of terror sponsor nations coming across our border. Those are the ones we caught. How many thousands wow. have not been interdicted at all are in the millions of gotaways that we never even stopped and said, hey, how you doing? Who are you? Here, right here, here's your court date, please show up, which they don't, you know? Yep. Uh, and it's not Hispanics only Mexicans or South Americans 
looking for economic opportunity. Well, number one, economic benefit does not qualify you for amnesty. But they've all been taught and trained to say, I'm fleeing totalitarianism and I'm seeking a better life. I want amnesty. They've all been taught that but that's not why they're here but it's not just about mexicans or south americans we have caught people from more than 200 nations 200 nations i repeat on the entire planet there aren't that many more nations yeah on the planet than 200 nations but from all from china uh russia everywhere our enemies, Iran, Iranians, who we just gave six whatever trillion more dollars to, who, oh, yeah, they promised they will use it for food and humanitarian sure, aid. Sure they will. Uh-huh. You know what? Okay. Give, give me a $10,000 card to use for food. Okay, I promise I'll do that. Guess what, though? That means the money I was spending on food... I can now give to terrorists. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's it's truly maddening, man. It's it's truly maddening when you see how much how much funding goes overseas and how little funding goes to people here at home that need it. And it makes you really wonder, you know, what is the end game here? What are they actually trying to do? What, what from where you stand? I mean, based on what you see right now, where where do you think we sit as a nation? as what what is supposed to be a constitutional republic which i always they always find a way to call it a democracy and 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 undercut the actuality of what we're supposed to be and makes you wonder too what they've done to to create that environment for themselves but what what do you think what do you think is the the biggest thing that people need to be aware of right now and where do you think we stand i know that's a two-part question but where, where do you think we stand right now as a country for real well uh, I, I'm certainly not the first to say this. There's a lot of people saying it. We're at 9:10 again, really. Uh, but I don't dare say another 9/11 is coming because I've already said death by a thousand cuts. Yeah. Despite the notion of uh, terrorists and uh, murder suicide vests, that's actually, you know, those are the drones. Those are the useful idiots. Those are the dweebs they send out to do that. But the terrorists at the top, they want to live. <laughs> they <laughs> sure, want to sure. destroy us, but they want to live. And they know another 9-11, what? Rains holy hell upon them. So there's not likely to be another 9-11, and hence why in the point, coming soon to a city near you, death by a thousand cuts can happen any time, any place, and you'll get that from the book to, to be awake and alert. Anything can happen anytime, any place. And yeah, part of the historical fiction, education in our system, uh, is, is, you know, the entire Western culture is horrible now, but uh, t talking about a republic versus a democracy, which mm -hmm. is why I say it's an all ages book put it in the hands of a high schooler. So they learn these things, 
they're not going to get from the indoctrination factory. They're purposefully telling them, like you said, we're a democracy. No, we are not. Never have been. Never intended to be. We elect representatives yep. in a democratic form, but our founders gave us checks and balances, which is why we must repeal the 17th Amendment. That put the death last nail in the coffin of states' rights in the 10th Amendment because our senators are a check and balance. You have the House, which is the people's house, directly elected by the population every two years. That's supposed to be the Democratic part. The U.S. Senate was supposed to be, intended to be, was a balance, a state house representing states' rights, and the, hence the six-year term. And the state legislatures picked the senator. So you elect your state representatives collectively. They pick who will be one of the two senators whenever their terms come up so that there is a check and balance. And with the 17th Amendment, that went out the window. Yeah, it doesn't seem like the Constitution um, is much of a document that anybody in Washington seems to follow these days, does it? <laughs> no. Uh, Only I, one convenient for their narrative. Yeah. I, uh, I, I, last month, I wrote two pieces, and, you know, again, constitutionalist politics piggybacks off of my thelibertybeacon.com, and you could go to thelibertybeacon.com, put Joseph M. Leonard, again, looks like Leonard, it's yep. not French, Leonard without an O. Uh, I have to keep saying that because I still get people want to call me uh, Leonard <laughs> or spell it with an O uh, in order to find my things. Biden flips off the SCOTUS, two editions, the student debt transfer edition and the affirmative action edition. You think those things are settled? <laughs> think again. They're already working their way around the rulings, and in 10 years we're going to be back in the Supreme Court striking down their, oh, but this is different. No, it's not. You change a word here and there, doesn't make it different. Affirmative yeah. action is racism, it's illegal, it's a violation of the 14th Amendment and equal protections, period, full stop. But they're already working around the latest ruling. Same with student debt transfer. Illegal, unconstitutional, violation of separation of powers. That must, that's a spending. That mm -hmm. must, must go through the Congress. But they're not doing it. And, you know, just ignoring the SCOTUS and saying, okay, well, we'll change the wording a bit and pretend it's something different but it's not we keep fighting a lot of mm -hmm. the same battles well and and like we've been talking about they seem to be able to bypass the constitution at not na nauseum right how under what under what authority and jurisdiction do you think that they are able to do that because that's that that document was set in stone that document and again i know there's been amendments but Again, we can argue that some that potentially some amendments were not properly ratified uh, either. But how are they doing it in your in your estimation? How are they able to bypass the original documents that were intended 
for for everybody to be able to reserve their rights. And now it seems like we're issued privileges. And and so what do you think is the is the way they're getting around this? Yeah. Well, first off, you have to recognize uh, I, I reject the uniparty thing. All right. Mm -hmm. I'm a Republican. I'm a conservative. I coined the term constitutionalist because, you know, conservative liberal have become just pejorative terms. So yeah. I wanted a new paradigm. But uh, I forgot where I was going to go with it. But people on the right even are, aren't pushing enough, aren't involved enough. That's how they're getting away with it. See, the Supreme Court, as you'll hear some say, doesn't have an army. All right, here's our ruling. Uh, yeah, well, we don't like it. We're going to ignore it. What are you going to do about it? Right? I, and right. too many rhinos, right. too many rhinos. I've been involved in politics since 1978, fighting both rhinos and fascocrats, as I coined them, every bit as hard. There are a lot of good Republicans, just not, a good, not enough of us. But there is no uniparty. If you want to complain about the GOP, uh, what are you doing? What are you doing? Are you a delegate? Right. Why not? You can't scream from the bleachers at the coaches, the players, the cheerleaders, the water boy, and think anything's going to change. You have to suit up, get on the field to affect the outcome. So if you complain about rhinos, or Cenos, as I call them, conservatives in name only, get, become a delegate. Go to the meetings. Go to the convention. Help. Do something other than virtue signal online. That doesn't do anything. But yet, the SCOTUS doesn't have an army, and we don't have enough Republicans even uh, that are constitutionalists with backbone to stand up and do more from within the Congress to fight back. Um, we're seeing a lot of we're seeing a lot of fear porn right now with you know COVID restrictions. You know, talk about COVID restrictions coming back and another pandemic and all this other stuff. Which you know, that's it, that's it's an election year coming up, so it's it's not hard to imagine that they would be doing this. Um, what do you what do you think what do you what do you anticipate here in the next you know several months that that may that may happen you know to to make it more difficult for a free and fair election coming up this this fall well of course we see a lot of uh, election meddling already uh but let me let me take a step back on that mm -hmm. last thing too i like i said i reject the uniparty thing but the deep state thing is real. The okay. deep state is where the rhinos and the fascocrats, you know, do things. And go to constitutionalist politics. You could go to at Jay Leonard Detroit, YouTuber Runbolt channel. I've okay. got a show on Norton versus Shelby Township, Tennessee. Uh, it's about government usurpation, overreach. A lot of these deep state agencies have overstepped either their constitutional authority, some like a Department of Education is unconstitutional, invalid, should not exist, but it's there. Yeah. 
yeah. other agencies that even are constitutional are overstepping their congressional authorizations and Congress isn't engaging in enough oversight. So a lot of these things are happening out of the deep state regulations, overreach of their power, things that you can't really undo unless if we undo those agencies. Uh, but yeah, the elections, uh, the Wuhan hysteria again, yep. to try to get people paranoid and in their basement, and as an excuse to violate law. 2020, whether you think the election was or was not stolen, I'm not going there. I don't need to go there. It is irrefutable. Six states violated their own election laws. That's not up for debate. It's not debatable. They did it. Their law says X. They invoked an emergency and said, we're mailing out ballots to everyone in violation of their law. And even Jimmy Carter said back when, when you do that, it's ripe for fraud. That's yep. why we don't do mail-in ballots, except for a few small places. Is it South Dakota or, you know, some rural communities where you're not dealing with millions of voters yeah. and there's tight controls, you can get away with that. But when Pennsylvania sends out 1.5 million mail-in ballots and more than 2 million come back, uh, Tell me there isn't hanky-panky there. Uh, <laughs> right. Even with Common Core math, you you understand that 2.5 uh, 2 million is larger than 1.5, right? <laughs> so. <laughs> yep. Well, you know, one of the things one of the things we notice a lot, and I know you probably see this too, is that people are not interested in facts. You know, you tell them a fact and. Again, your point, you get the eye roll, depending on, and again, some of it, because some of it might be because it's painted as conspiracy, and even though it might be factual, it doesn't matter because it has that label on it, and so people are just going to roll their eyes or whatever. But it doesn't seem like it used to be this way. I remember getting into political discussions as a youngster, because Mike has always been pretty political and everything, and almost the, the political, you know, soundposts for our family growing up. And so, you know, we grew up listening to a lot of things, watching, listening to people like Rush Limbaugh and all this stuff and whatever. And it seemed like before all of this unfolded, you'd be able to have a, a cordial conversation with somebody who doesn't see maybe eye to eye with you. And, you know, there was always fiery conversations, but they weren't like they are now, meaning a complete shutdown, a complete just irrational response to what some would say or you would say is a is a fair question or a fair statement based on things you've seen factual evidence you may have seen and again we always tell people don't believe what you hear uh, even on, on our show or anybody else's go do your own research if it's something that intrigues you but it seems like the reactions these days man are just something i've never seen before what do you think is the main reason and driver for why we're seeing that oh that's a simple answer wokeism Pathetical corruptness, this is what I call PC or, you know, mm -hmm. cultural Marxism. It's all now about my feelings. I feel that way, therefore, 
I accept it as reality, even if it's unicorn fart delusion, <laughs> right? Sure. Facts over feelings. Yeah, you can mm -hmm. give, I can give out the Pennsylvania fact. It's fact. Their law is their law. You can look it up. That the number of ballots they sent is on record. You can look it up. The number of ballots supposedly counted in return by mail is a matter of public record. You can look it up. Not on Google, right? Yeah. Google will lead you to Mother Jones or Huffington yeah. Poo Poo Post or CNN and MSNBC giving you spin. You go to or even Fox oh, News, yeah, <laughs> for that matter. Now, now yeah, yeah. I mean, news. I've I've watched Newsmax for more than a decade now. I, oh, I watch right. Gutfeld because I've said for decades we need to be funny, deliver things yeah, in right. a different way. So I love Gutfeld. He's doing what I've been preaching we needed to do for decades. Yep, and, for comedy. Yeah. But yeah, you need to go to DuckDuckGo, Jibberoo, or Freespoke and look up for legitimate sources to confirm. Yep. As Reagan said, trust but verify. Trust I say verify, it all the right. time on my show or anytime I'm appearing anywhere else. Don't take my word for a damn thing look it up <laughs> yep yep no i can appreciate that and, and joseph i know we're running up against it but there's a couple more things i wanted to ask you one in one uh just because of the graphic in the background you wrote another book recently uh, and it's a book about how to write a book right and how to write and publish a book so before uh, tell us a little bit about that and then i'd love to hear your final thoughts yeah like i've written more i'm the holder of more than three dozen copyrights but I only currently have three internationally available books. My third one just came out in August. Uh, is Constitutionalist Politics, the book, okay. to go along with Constitutionalist Politics, the podcast that just started in June. So that's not even on the graphic. Yep. But yeah, Terror Strikes Coming Soon to a City Near You was my first internationally available book. You could get it in any nation including Russia and China <laughs> on yep. the planet. But yeah, uh, a lot of shows I'd go on to talk about terror strikes and they'd say, why don't you come back and talk about self-publishing? Yep. Right now, I, I don't want, there's two different things. I think there is self-publishing and then there's what I call assisted publishing. They're not the same thing uh, as opposed to traditional publishing. So they'd say, come back and talk. So after a dozen of those, I went on Amazon and looked and saw, sure enough, there's a bazillion books on how to put your book on Amazon, but nothing like how to write a book and get it published, hints, tips, and techniques that takes you from initial concept into writing, including yep. a chapter on character development, scene development, what are your realistic publishing options? Like the movie Where the Crawdad Sings. Mm -hmm. uh, no big spoiler alert here, but you know she was into uh, graphic illustrations and a lot of people told her, you should put them in a book. And of course, so she put them together and sent them off to a publisher, hoping on hope one of them would like it and publish it. Well, those days are gone. Now you've got more options to yep. do it yourself. But there's self and there's assisted publishing. And again, you 
as the saying goes, get what you pay for. But, you know, depending yeah. on your budget, because I have no doubt, either of you, like one of the hints in the book is you have a podcast. You can take 10 of your favorite podcast episodes mm-hmm. based on whatever definition of favorite or best is and have them transcribed from audio to text. You got 10 chapters right there. You then go in, you clean them up, and you add. Uh, All right, well, this has happened since the episode. We've learned this. Uh, That was right. That was wrong. Uh, There is more information, blah, 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 blah. You've got a ready-made book you can have done in a month's time. Well, anybody else, even a pure fiction story out of the blue, I help anyone in this audience who has a story they'd like to get out, get it on paper and get it to a publisher who can get it into stores for them. No, and I think that's great advice, man, because there's people right now, regardless of who you are, you're seeking information. There's a lot of people seeking information. And if you have that information, why not get it out there for folks that want to learn about it? Whether it's about what's going on in the world or about something completely, completely just something that you love and, and cherish and want to help with. Um, hey, you, it could be about wrestling. It could be anything. It could yep. be about cooking. It could be about gardening. It could be about anything That's because right. there's a market for everything. And one of the chapters, of course, is marketing and promotion, right? Because gotcha. once you're published, you're not done. <laughs> you got to go into the marketing and promotion yep. phase so people can become aware because there is a market for everything as long as they know it's there for yep. them to 100%. buy. Well, and um, uh, that's, yeah, that, that is absolutely awesome advice. And I think people that are interested in that, uh, you know, you have a resource for them to be able to go and figure out what, what they need to do to get their message out, which is great because, again, yeah. I don't think you could be any shortage of information these days. Um, and I know people are looking for something, especially things that are not just coming out of the mainstream, no matter what it is. I mean, you tell yeah. you. You hear, you hear this directly out of their mouths, folks. The people that are presumably part of the deep state come, come right out and say, they come right out and tell us certain things. And, you know, there's no reason why all of us can't go and do our part to fight back against that propaganda. And they, and they count on us to be complacent. That's right. They want you to either be fearful or that you're crazy. That's right. You're in the minority. No, no, no. You are part of what they called the silent majority. There's the problem. Silent. Stop being silent. And I don't mean by that, go on twatter and start, no, you've got to become a delegate (laughs) and be involved and do things that matter. There are snowflakes on the right. You know, it's about their feelings and I want a virtue signal. No, you got to do things that matter. Like before a primary, you know, I hate, I got to hold my nose to vote for that Republican in November. Well, guess what? If you got off your butt the November before and help recruit a better candidate, you would have got a better candidate in the spring of that year so you wouldn't have to hold your nose in November. 
Joseph, we're seeing right now, and we can we can wrap up after this and, and let you get on to your evening. But um, what we're seeing right now is um, a lot of fear. Um, we're seeing it out of the mainstream media. We're seeing it out of even even the alternative media. You're seeing a lot of fear. And again, some of the stuff is very very real, and it's scary, right? It, it's just no matter who you are, there's some stuff going on that is downright scary, and and that's just yeah. the reality. However, you mentioned hopefulness. We don't hear a lot of it, right? You you hear these stories and we inter- people we interview and we interview a lot of the people that are in alternative media that come out and they're just trying to tell us the reality of what they see. And some of it's not terribly good. However, you mentioned hopefulness. You mentioned bringing back solidarity, love, and all those great things. From your perspective, what do you see out there right now that brings you hope for where we could be headed and where we could be going? Oh, again, that's an easy one. I hinted at this before. There are more and more people like a Brandon Strzok and a Candace Owens. Uh, mm-hmm. They just started licking the red pill. And once that door's cracked open and they see the media lied to me about what was said at Charlottesville, mm-hmm. what else have they lied to me about? So there's hope there that more are waking up. And the other, 2 Chronicles 714, pray and turn your land from their wicked ways and I will hear from heaven and heal your land. Well, again, people hear that pray part. That, that's not the whole thing. Yep. And yep. turn from wicked ways means you shall be known by your fruits, means you must engage and take actions to help begin turning your land from its wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will intervene to help. But it's not, uh, dear God, please help us, but I'm going to sit my butt on the couch. It yeah. ain't, it don't work that way. That's not what 2 Chronicles seven fourteen says. And complacency. It said 30 to 50 million Christians. Uh, Now, there's a difference, of course, between a real Christian and a, you know, a a liberal Jesus was a socialist type woke Jesus. Somebody just wrote a book, right? Right. Uh, No, Jesus was not a socialist. Render under Caesar does not mean give your charitable duty to be your brother's keeper over to the government. It doesn't say that. You've right. got to take the whole Bible in context. But 30 to million, thirty to 50 million Christians are either not even registered to vote or don't vote. They could not even cheat enough to defeat us. If you are one of those people not registered or don't vote, if you get off your butt, if all 30 yeah. to 50 million get involved, they cannot defeat us. That's room for hope. But yep. you've got to act. Again, shall be known by your fruits, not your empty rhetoric. Yep. You must sow to reap. If you don't sow good fruit, we're all stuck eating the rotten fruit others have sown. Amen, brother. Um well, hey, man, this has been great, great, awesome talking to you and, and getting to know you. Before we let you go, um, two things. One is, what would you, what do you want to leave us with? And I'll wait for the, the last thing. I just want you to tell us where we, where we find all of your stuff and everything. But what do you want to leave uh, everybody out there listening with? 
Well, if we did that, and I'm going to read that again. Again, you know, a book about terrorism. It's not yep. a rainbow shoot 'em up. About terrorism, but not about death, life, and living. That's why terror strikes, to me, is not of me or from me. It's through me. Again, it came in a dream. I felt called to put it out. It's a book about life and living, not death, right? Life over death, hope over fear, faith over despair, love over hate, good over evil, political individualism over collectivism, freedom over tyranny, and as you said early, not just foreign, but domestic entities, as I call them, fascocrats. They literally, the DNC has 28 planks from the National Socialist Deutschland Arbeiter Party platform. Trust but verify. Don't believe me. I don't want you to believe me. I want you to go to DuckDuckGo and bring up the Nazi Socialist Party platform and today's Democrat Party platform. And yeah, the language is much more flowery, but it's there yeah. for anyone uh, realistically looking for facts and truth, you will see it. Socialized medicine is obvious. Obamacare, they said it themselves. It was meant to fail so that we could get Medicaid for all. They say Medicare. No, it's Medicaid for all. Medicare is paid for out of your FICA. Medicaid is not. They want full government control. I was just on with Rick Walker of Maverick News in Canada the other day, and we went into this. People, it's about power and control, not your health. Yep. It, right? Uh, oh, you know, we understand your spouse, your son, your daughter is sick, and we really, really want to help them. But you know what? We need you to toe the party line on this or that. And, and we'll be happy to get them what they need. That's like withholding ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. I know someone who died because of that. Bill Hartman, hospitalized, put him on uh, Remdesivir. You mean Remdesivir? Yeah, Remdesivir. And yep. he was degrading. They finally got a doctor in the system that would prescribe ivermectin, and he was improving. But after two weeks, they said, no, no, the Obamacare, Obama, I call it, M-A-O, because he's a Maoist, Obamacare guidelines and dictates say we must give remdesivir rather than ivermectin or yeah. we're not going to get paid. It's about power and control. And guess what? They put him back on remdesivir and indeed went on a vent and indeed died. Yep. Lawsuit pending. Yep. Yeah, it's sick. It's really, it really is sick. Um, when you look at the hospital protocols and if we could talk, we could do a whole hour, we could do a five hour episode on that. It's sick what, what cop outs have been used to justify death in these hospitals. But again, probably a conversation for a different day. We do appreciate you. No, uh, the other, the other obvious uh, plank is gun control. 
every yeah. tyrant on the planet. What's the first thing? Take away the guns. You must have a unarmed society to force it to be a compliant society. See Australia. Like in, see you can't. Yeah. Yeah, Venezuela. Yep. Most see Venezuela. notably of yep. late. And look at it was the richest nation in the South American hemisphere, and now it's the poorest after the communists quickly, disarmed too. and took over. Yep, That's very why quickly. so many Venezuelans are pouring over our southern border. Economic flight, because yeah. there's no jobs there. They're eating the dogs. You know, they, they don't have mm. food. You can't eat that oil, and it's not making it to the people. Uh, and I, I forgot where I was. Oh, yeah, gun control, right? Yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy. I've got a thelibertybeacon.com piece and a CTP show on movies and politics. I am amazed with all the woke films that come out that Disney allowed Guardians of the Galaxy 3 to come out because it's an anti-tyranny message. Yeah. It, Rocket says he promised perfection, but he just hated things the way they were, right? It's, I don't care, communist, fascist, socialist, they're all the same now. It's not 1930s anymore. Yep. They're all the same. Every tyrant promises utopia never delivers because there, there's no such thing as perfection. They just want to be the ruling elites lording over the imperfection. Yeah, I just saw, I just actually saw that movie the first time, and uh, you are absolutely right. It's, oh, it's actually kind of movie. interesting. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, hey, man, this has been awesome. Uh, you can hang on for just a second after we wrap up, and then we can uh, we can say uh, have a, just some side conversation here for a minute. But oh, but just, yeah, where to find me? Uh, yeah, yeah, just, where yeah where where <laughs> do we find your stuff? Uh, all all three international books are on Amazon. You okay. know, a lot of people. I don't like putting more money in Bezos' pocket, but 80% of all books nowadays are sold yep. through Amazon. But if you go to your mom and pop store, they can look it up and order it for you. Or uh, josephmleonard.us is my author site. Terrorstrikes.info is my primary book site, but you can go to terrorstrikes.info slash shop and get all three of my books, an autographed copy direct from me, rather than putting more money in Bezos' pocket. If you're not in the continental United States, there's a link to international sales, other places than Amazon that you can buy the book if you don't want to enrich Bezos more. <laughs> gotcha. Folks, we will have uh, all those links in the description when, uh, you know, when you click on the episode, you'll be able to find all that down in the show notes and everything. Uh, Joseph, it's been a pleasure, brother. Um, God bless you. God bless the work that you're doing. Uh, God bless everybody out there. And as always, God bless our republic, United States, and, and all of humanity. Until next time, yeah, be safe and well. My books, yeah. like I say, are a calling. They are a calling. I, yeah, I'm not getting rich by any stretch of the imagination off these books, right? That I needed to get them into the hands of people to help people and indeed uh, try, as 2 Chronicles 7.14, turn us from our wicked ways.
Amen. Well, sit tight, brother, and uh, we'll wrap up with you. Uh, to all you folks out there, be safe and well till next time, and we'll see you soon.